0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You are listening to Holding Down the Fort with Alejandro Soto. Thanks for tuning in. First things first, since I'm recording this the evening of Monday, January 8th, 2024, I want to give a good birthday shout-out to my boy orion valencia uh this is coming out after your birthday so belated wishes in the moment you're listening to this but i gave you a couple hugs this afternoon so i think we're square and even love you buddy hope you had a good birthday Uh, it was real nice seeing you um On this special day of yours. So yeah, give that, go uh, check out the podcast he and I recorded together. Uh, If you want to listen to two musicians talk about corn and solar panels in your afternoon, that we can give you. So moving on. uh, Thanks for everybody who came to the Ecstatic Dance yesterday. Uh, We had the first one this year at... um, It's the Dance Collective. We're at the Dance Collective all year now. So the next one is February 4th. That's, again, a Sunday. And uh, I'm going to be DJing. You'll have Pumas doing the thing on the decks. So (laughs) come hang out and enjoy another good old-fashioned dance party with us in the Dance Collective. Other things coming up, uh, on Saturday, February 10th, I'll be at the Greenhouse doing a Puma set with Orion and Seven, doing some sets as well. Gonna be another good old electronic music dance party. Uh, That's also the Lunar New Year, so, uh, you know, closing doors, opening windows to jump out of in this time of strangeness in the world. Big excitement! Friday, March 22nd, we're coming back to the garden for Blossom Bash. If you were there for easy step in. Last September, you know what we're all about. You know what we're going to be doing. Uh, I'll be DJing. We'll have Orion and uh, good luck. Garrett is going to be joining us. He's another local Fort Wayne OG homie. Stoked to have him on the bill. We'll have the Dry Lounge giving you some tasty beverages. Uh, We've got a projection artist, some aerialists doing amazing acrobatics. Uh, We'll have some art vendors. If you want to buy something pretty for yourself or for someone you love. So come join us for a low down, ho down dance party March 22nd at the garden. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Also, check out the Massive Music YouTube page and Instagram channel. Uh, stuff is going up there. I, jeez, I feel, uh, I, and I'm just gonna keep the promotion going. I put a donate page up on the website, finally. So, I don't know if it works, but there's a link to, uh, PayPal if you wanna send me a couple bucks, keep the lights on, uh, help me buy a new microphone. That'd be pretty sweet. Okay, all that's done. That's all the... The bullshit that I had to read through. I took notes on my phone so I wouldn't forget any of it. So now on to the fun. I got Mr. Phil Sugar here on the show. And if you know this uh, enigma of a man that you're bound to be as excited as I am for this conversation that's coming up. Um, I met Phil a couple years ago um, and have been running into him at the uh, health food shop. Hopefully this isn't too personal of information, but the man loves the veggie dumplings. Uh, (laughs) It's good shit. This man knows good shit. So uh, he's also, besides a lover of organic foods, a lover of music and um, art and beauty and uh, is an incredible guitar player. He's been pursuing this, I think he said, since he was like 16 or 17. He picked up the guitar after doing sports as a youngster. He was a little sportster, which I was... uh, (laughs) <laughs> pretty tickled to find out. It's kind of funny imagining Phil playing sports, uh, you know, baseball cap up on the mound and whatnot. So uh, <laughs> there's many sides to Phil that I don't know. And uh, so I'm real excited, real grateful that I got him on the show and he sat down with me and gave a little bit of his time, gave an afternoon to be. Be on the show. Do the thing. Um, he's a big part of the Fort Wayne music scene. So if you have a chance to go down to The Ruin, he does a jazz night on Thursdays. Thursdays at The Ruin, Phil's doing jazz. It's fucking awesome. And, uh, when well, no, Tuesday, he's at the Wrigley Field Bar and Grill doing Phil Plays Dead. I shamefully have not made it out to that, but sometime soon I plan on it. Because, boy, he can play some dead tunes. I saw him play... A song, it's called Gomorrah. It's a Jerry Garcia tune that not even Jerry played all too much. Um, and it, it was a favorite of mine over the summer. It just like stuck out to me in the Jerry churches on Sunday morning. And I got to see him play this, this, that song, Gomorrah, um, live one time. It was really cool. And he did a real a real good rendition of it, also. It's got this really good riff in it. Uh I'm not gonna sing it, so just go check it out. And uh I think that's all. That's all for me for now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation I had with Mr. Phil Sugar. Sweet. Well, Phil Sugar, welcome to the show. Thanks hey. for being on. Yeah, thanks for good uh, to having have me you.
1: here. Yeah, good to hang with you.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to get you on for a little while. Um, and yeah. you teach at St. Francis, so I you're do. on uh, your... Not Winter non-break. <laughs> <laughs> right we now. talked about is the non-break, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm so <laughs> pampered. <laughs> Teaching people guitar and music and uh, yes. a whole bunch of stuff that hopefully we'll get into a little bit of today. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I like to start with like uh where you come from so you're you're a local musician (laughs) uh player a teacher and uh i know you as like a real big jazz guy okay Um, yeah like you do the jazz night at the ruin right Uh, you do the phil plays dead stuff so that's Mm -hmm. rock and roll but very jazz improvised yeah um so that's (laughs) yeah i'm I'm really interested (laughs) in in talking about that and digging in but how did you like how'd you get into it when did you start playing guitar
1: um, so I started playing guitar. I actually grew up in Ohio. Okay. And um, I was a good athlete when I was young. Like, I was a very talented um, pitcher in baseball. <clears throat> Most cool. people don't know that about me, probably. And I, I was in, did athletics all the way up until... And then when my grandfather died, we moved mm. here to Indiana. My family has like a property out by Decatur. Okay. And um, I'd always wanted to be a musician, but because I was a good athlete, my mm. dad kind of ignored me. He's like, ah, you know, I was like, no, I want piano lessons. And I'm like, nah, you don't need piano lessons, you know? <laughs> and um, so when I moved to Indiana, I saw it as an opportunity to... You know, when you move to a new place, you don't have to be anything anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you're kind of like liberated of whatever people's ideas of of you are, because yeah. nobody knows who you are anyway. And I was like, no, I'm. I want to be a musician. I had told my parents when I was like eight years old. I was like, I need a guitar because I'm gonna be a professional musician. <laughs> like, I mean, I decided, you know. <laughs> cool. Cool. And so when I moved here, that opportunity um, came about, and then I started playing guitar. And then within a year, I started playing professionally. So, nice. yeah, I started doing um, like kind of acoustic gigs, solo acoustic gigs, and putting together small bands and stuff like that. And hmm. yeah, I had really great help. Kenny Taylor was my first guitar oh, teacher. Yeah. And Kenny was very supportive and he actually, I <clears throat> did my first gig over in Ohio, like in the town where I grew up in Delphus and mm-hmm. Kenny actually, and it was the night before Thanksgiving and <laughs> Kenny drove over to hang out at the gig. It was that's super, awesome. yeah, like as like a young impressionable, you know, person or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, that was, a, that's really good support, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I've always been grateful for Kenny and um, Kenny helped me get my first uh, teaching gig when I was 22, as oh, well, nice. 20 years old. Um, 20 also <laughs> so he was very very helpful in the early part of my music oh, career okay
0: so when did you start playing guitar like you said it was when you moved to F- y- Fort Wayne or yep. at least Indiana yeah this yeah area. And,
1: yep so I was 15 years old okay, like 15 okay. almost 16 like I was mm-hmm. like it was like November of 93 mm-hmm. and then my birthday's in January so it was kind of okay. like, you know <clears throat> like that and yeah and what something a lot of people don't know about me is i started off as a metal player oh, so nice. the first song that i learned on guitar was holy wars the punishment Due" by megadeth like, that's, <laughs> no way. oh yeah yeah totally that's awesome. i know right right and i learned yeah i learned a ton of, i wasn't just in the metal but i liked uh, playing like i learned most of the you know first four metallica albums and uh, awesome. megadeth like that rust in peace album i still think is one of the most incredibly written albums of guitar oh. music And Justice for All is amazingly written, Mm -hmm, you -hmm. know. And um, yeah, so I started off Mm. as a metal player. There, There are some people who are like... You don't really know Phil because you don't know metal Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a funny, I hear people say it every now and again. It always makes me laugh. You know, like, I don't know metal Phil. No, I mean, you you don't know metal Phil, yeah. side of
0: you I've never seen. Yeah, I think I
1: terrorized some people. <laughs> 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 it that's seems awesome. just part of the nature of the beast, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't just into metal, but I primarily was initially in um hmm. Yeah, and I really, like, I learned, there used to be this book, it was like, uh it's probably still around, it was a Led Zeppelin book, and it was mm. the first five albums of Led oh, Zeppelin, cool. but it was all piano music, so wow. it wasn't tablature, it was, you know, piano, and they'd have mm. the guitar chords mm. in it, so I spent a lot of time with that book, too, wow. you know, learning a lot of that, and um yeah, yeah, so.
0: So that probably prepared you for, like, a jazz, a foray into that, at least, like, dissecting (laughs) piano music on the guitar, like having to figure out how to at least interpret music if you weren't reading it yet.
1: I would say more so that Jimmy Page plays really weird chords and I love the sound of those chords. Uh Like I remember learning no quarter, you know, and Mm -hmm. like there are these like, actually they're like major 7 sharp 11 chords in there. These really odd, you know, like chord shapes, you know, physically Mm -hmm. weird shapes. Mm and really interesting sounds. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always stuck with me in some way um, mm-hmm. of that from that early period, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, there was something else I was gonna, oh yeah, like the rain song, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, mm-hmm. like I learned that pretty early on. It's like it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music mm-hmm. ever written, you know, it's like, and the guitar chords are really weird, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're physically mm-hmm. demanding. So. And those are
0: like the total opposite of metal. Yes. So yeah. that's really interesting. Well, you were like learning <clears> metal <throat> stuff, but also interested in those like softer, more laid-back tunes from Zeppelin.
1: Well, because yeah, and I mean, and another funny thing was is like, I mean, there's like a level like where my cousins like right before that period were a bit terrified of me because I was a rapper too. <laughs> like I like I mean I. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to memorize. I when I was young before I was a musician. I was always memorizing albums, you know, mm-hmm. so like I would memorize like all the mm-hmm. lyrics of, you know, Guns N' Roses or, you know, whatever it was. Um, but I also was really into Eazy-E and NWA and memorized that Ooh. stuff. And um, uh, who else? I'm drawing a blank, but, you know, just just rap in general. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dre and, and Snoop Dogg, like the Chronic, like yeah, I had yeah. all the lyrics memorized for the entire album, well, you know, like no. and I could rap them. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, and I think that was just a normal thing. And and I always think about like how that helped me going into being a musician because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. I already knew the songs. And you know, like internal. Like mm-hmm. I had the music mm-hmm. internalized. It wasn't some abstraction to me. It was just mm-hmm. a matter of learning to play the chords and and play the music, you know, like those aspects of it, and then the lyrics were already there so I could I could do
0: that. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So you were like digesting music before you were, you were even like playing it, I think like interpreting th- it yep. and yeah. internalizing it before you were physically making before it. Before I was
1: physically doing it. Cool. Yeah. And just because I loved it, like not, uh-huh. you know, like I was just, I remember I have this memory of me being on the swing set, like, in like, <laughs> you know, I was probably in, how old would I have been? This is whenever Appetite for Destruction came out. And I, like, memorized all the words to the, all of the songs on that album. Nice. And I'm, like, on the swing set, you know, I'm probably, like, 10 or something. It's probably fifth grade. I don't know. And um I can see this image of me playing. Like, I could hear the recordings in my head and play them back. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be sitting on the swing set, like, singing the things out and, and working it out in my head, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, so like, again, it's funny, like all yeah. of that, I wasn't playing, I was playing baseball and football, <laughs> you know, but all of that made it, um, where I was setting myself up for my future, you know, mm-hmm. unbeknownst mm-hmm. to myself. Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: And, You're preparing your brain. Yeah. Unbeknownst to you, what yeah. was coming. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, totally. like opportunities would open up to you. Yeah, exactly. Neat, yeah. neat. So when did you get into like other other types of music like you started playing metal and you were playing like led zeppelin like classic rock music like when did you get into sure well the...
1: and and again like with um kenny as a guitar teacher mm. you know i came in as this metal guy with kenny and he kind of helped diversify me i mean i already Ooh. liked other music it wasn't like i've never been uh i just like one kind of music guy you know mm-hmm. i like a lot of kinds of music and i still do like i listen to all kinds of stuff you know um People have, you know, some maybe sometimes an ideas that I'm just a jazz guy or I'm just this, but I I listen to a lot of different kinds of music, nice. and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so anyway, so that wasn't that hard of a transition, you know, working with him. Like I was open to it, I was open minded, and so I learned to play other other kinds of music, and then um, <clears throat> I think slowly, you know, I think I had a really big transition when I was seventeen. Like, one, mm-hmm. I went to, well, I don't mind saying this, I went to this Pantera concert, and um, and it was like the like Far Beyond Driven tour or something okay. like that, and I liked mosh pits, <laughs> and I liked metal, and I liked all the stuff, but mm-hmm. when I was at that show, like, you know, and I know all metal isn't like this, so I'm not like going to make it like that, but there was this mm-hmm. vibe, because there's all the neo-Nazis there, like oh, skinheads, geez. and Wrong. the vibe was just I don't know if I can curse on this. The vibe's kind of fucked up. Uh, the vibe was yeah, kind of messed up. You me need to edit that out. <laughs> and I looked at it and I had this epiphany mm. of like, I don't want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I was just like, no way. You know, yeah, like, and, yeah. and I, I remember being in the mosh pits and like looking at this like big dude and people were like ripping up, lives at the Coliseum oh. and they were ripping up the floor. And like the ice was under the floor and Uh people kept hitting the ice in the pit and like eating it, you know, which is kind of funny, you know, but, (laughs) you know, it's kind of also like destructive on a level that I was just like, and just, it was the way it was done and everything Mm -hmm. was going on. I just like, it just made me really start to question all of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't really want to be a part of this. and. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've talked to some of my metal friends about this. And they're like, oh, man, that's really unfortunate. Because it's mm-hmm. like, and I'm like, no, no, no. I know this the whole scene's yeah, not like yeah. that. But it made this impression upon me that I didn't want to be that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, mm-hmm. that kind of seed got planted there. And then shortly after that, I met a friend of mine who um, was a bass player who was a couple of years older than me. His name was Jerry Sparkman. Okay. And um, who was really into The Dead and Fish. Oh, and cool. I already knew who The Dead were and the Grateful Dead and, and um, Fish and like I had seen the Dead. Actually, my first Dead show was in 1994, in the summer oh, of 1994. Cool. Uh, cool. and And um, I actually went to it with a Danzig shirt and ca- and, and like combat boots on. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, Bad-ass. so like, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: totally. Yeah, it's part uh, of the scene. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just, it's just like really funny.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. That's great. Yeah, and but at the same time, you know, and and it was funny, like. Um, I don't know if I want to tell that story. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> let's just say um... it got dicey yeah. there. Well, in, no, let's in the not say, 90s let's at say dead things... shows.
0: From what I've heard,
1: at the dead shows.
0: <laughs> I mean, well, the I'm just immediately thinking of the Noblesville I was gate there. storming.
1: Yeah, I was there. Oh, oh no way! I watched that happen.
0: <gasps> Whoa! Yeah, yeah, we can talk
1: about that in a second oh, if you want. My... <laughs> because the thing about I had a really profound experience at that show, so it's uh-huh. like it's. It's funny. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I went to the show in 94 and, you know, I knew about that. And so I knew about the dead and it like kind of opened up a door in my head in some respects, but I wasn't like moved. Like I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't become a hippie or, you know, Uh or whatever, a deadhead at that time. And then the year kind of went by. And then like after that, I think that that Pantera show was in like, you know, February of 95 or something. And then I probably met Jerry, I'm going to, like Jerry Sparkman, I'm going to say around like May or something. Okay. And I had this moment where actually, you know, it was. Like, I remember it was June 30th. I mean, I don't know why I remember that, but I know it was, you know, where I'd just been having these epiphanies about life. And I told my friends, I was like, I'm going to become a pacifist. And they're like kind of laughed at me because i'd been this metal dude who Mm like you know liked kicking people with combat (laughs) boots you know like it was like loving to me it wasn't like mean yeah you know okay it's like boyish it's like playing football like you're not trying to maim anyone playing football you're just having a good time it feels good to like you know and metal like you know mosh pits and that kind of thing were kind of like you know there's a there's a certain kind of joy in the whole thing Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know what i mean like i don't see it as being dark yeah. Like, I think there's a, there's a joyousness in that kind of, like, yeah. inter, interplay, you know? I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had great um, fun in mosh pits Yeah, before. exactly, man. But also,
0: like, some of the scary ones, too. But, it's in yes, like, yeah, it's just but, when it starts to get out of hand yeah, that yeah, it's like,
1: yeah. no, that's not cool, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, you get the one drunk guy who has real problems. And, again, like, when mm-hmm. I was at that Pantera show, I was like you guys have problems I don't have. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I, I don't feel
1: that way inside. Uh-huh, I don't, uh-huh. that I want to maim other people. And, yeah, you know, like,
0: yeah. you know, like and some people who are messed up like that. Yeah. yeah. Got to get it out. And
1: yeah, sometimes just, yeah, 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 person exactly. gets
0: caught in the crossfire, which is very unfortunate.
1: Mm-hmm. And as an happens. adult, you know, from like a, a deeper understanding of trauma and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I get it like it's yeah. you know like man you know people a lot of people grow up in really difficult situations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but at the same time as a community once you kind of <clears throat> go into that level you have to monitor your community to a mm-hmm, certain extent mm-hmm. to kind of keep things in check so yeah. you know yeah but so anyway um, I told my friends I was going to become a pacifist and no one mm-hmm. believed me <laughs> And then I went to the Noblesville show you, you mentioned, I was there, that was on July 2nd, I I believe. Okay. And I had Uh this uh profound experience that transformed my life, Hmm. you know? And like, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind saying it It was like the first time I ate mushrooms and Mm -hmm. you know, you can say what you want about that. But like, I had this like vision of what music meant and what community meant Mm -hmm. as a result Mm -hmm. of that, Mm. you know? And it, profoundly affected my life and changed my life, Hmm. you know, where I realized it's like I was already set up and kind of ripe for it, you know, with Mm -hmm. the way my mind had changed. And then it was just like this catalyst that like kind of pushed me in a different direction. And I recognized Mm -hmm. the potential, like the power of music and community, you know, and I, you know, I thought for a long time that music can really... You know, we you could change culture through it. You know, I had this mm-hmm. idea that that collectively, you know, because individual change that that's obviously necessary, but it's when collectives change that's when mm-hmm. you get real motion. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I people talk about the group mind or or whatever it is, and but we really are all contributing to the way something feels. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like like take the like the Pantera show. Like if everybody's yeah. in a very dark space or enough people are in a, in a dark enough space, it changes the atmosphere and it really holds down what's possible. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: If people are, enough people are in an open head space where other things are possible, there's a lot more that's possible collectively. You know, because you can be individually doing the work but and it doesn't move much. Mm-hmm. But when you get a certain amount of people moving in the same direction, then there's, mm-hmm. like, that's mm-hmm. when change happens. Yeah. For better yeah. or for worse. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's, yeah.
0: like, a tipping point. Uh, there's there's a term for this where, like, enough people start doing something where, like, then the rest of the group yes. yeah. starts following along. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I think if that core group... <clears throat> is setting the bar in a solid place. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we could live in a far more intelligent culture if we wanted to, but I mean, you know, most of the internet, (laughs) the the bars, you know, like I, I think about this a lot. It's like, I, I remember maybe 10, 12 years ago now, like students bringing me stuff and being like, Oh, listen to this, this sucks, you know? And I'm like, no, I don't want to listen to it. And they're like, well, why? It sucks. And I'm like, that's exactly why. Uh-huh. Like, you're literally giving money to this person for sucking. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> yeah. you think it's funny. And I get yeah. that you think it's funny. I I I get. I'm. I don't want to be, like, you know, like, a boring, you know? But at the same time, like, if you look at the underlying premise of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it's, like, kind of, like, if we pick our humor as being very low because this is, like, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Everyone laughs at dick and fart jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, of course. I get course, it. Of like course. if you tell me, you know, somebody, you know, you tell me a dick and fart joke, I'm probably going to laugh at it. You know But you're but... not but
0: like no one's getting hurt by that. You're no, not saying that exactly, they suck. No Everyone farts at about Half of us have dicks. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like it's, but just, like when you're saying, when a person is like, hey, this music sucks and they get enjoyment from that. Right. That's like a degradation of the other person. And at that point, in my opinion, it'd be better to just not even talk about it, to just be indifferent to it. Like, it's like. Kind of bringing oneself down by getting into that. And then by going to you and being like, hey, listen to this music that sucks. They're like trying to bring you down a level to that place when like, why? yeah, why aren't we listening to something good? Yeah, Show me something that you enjoy and let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, something like something that that moves me. You know, it's something that's like, you know, hitting a deeper level. It's, I don't know. I mean, and who knows what the answers are. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. we live in... You know, I think I used to be a very far more serious person than I am now, you know, (laughs) because I like I took this stuff seriously that like what uh you put out there, like kind of affects the people around you. And, you know, and it's I don't know, you know, it's it's a complicated question Uh of of like what do we want collectively as humans Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and what do we value and humor is valuable you know what i mean and all of these things have their place and they're and they're valuable but like i don't know where do we want the bar set i guess Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. really what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. Um, and if you want the bar set low well then that's pretty easy to do if you want the bar set higher That's not as easy to do. And Mm I don't necessarily think it's as easy to get as many people moving in that direction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe that's, I don't want to sound elitist saying that, but I I think it's the nature of the beast. Like Mm -hmm. when you have to actually start putting energy into something, that changes like how many people will do it. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. you want to be really good at whatever thing you're doing you know there's only going to be so many people are really good at that and that's okay because those people will be really good at something else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so it kind of balances out in a certain way yeah yeah and
0: and like with the music thing maybe that thing that one person thinks sucks someone else will really enjoy and and,
1: yes absolutely absolutely and i think that's totally true as well and that's why you know again like yeah there's a place I think that's what I've ultimately come to understand is that there's a time and place for everything, mm, you know? Mm. And and that's okay. You know, there's okay, you know, it's like, I remember somebody showing me this this video of this rapper and they're like, oh man, this is awful. And, and the whole sh- the song was like, I love doing blow! <laughs> <Early> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> I kind of want to check that out. No, totally. It <laughs> this... sounds pretty good yeah yeah and
1: they, were just, they were just I mean they were having such a good time showing me this video you know they were like laughing and it was just you know it was pretty funny you know, to be honest and, but the guy wasn't like he wasn't trying to make anybody laugh he uh-huh. was dead <laughs> he was dead serious he loved doing blow you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And this That's was kind great. of this would have been in the age of SoundCloud rappers, uh-huh, you know? So uh-huh. it was kind of in that <laughs> one, maybe you know, 2015 or 16 or something like that, you
0: know? Oh man, yeah. Are SoundCloud rappers still a thing?
1: I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I haven't heard. Of, I think that have that shit might have kind of sailed, huh? But I've <clears throat> I've never really been into that scene.
1: Yeah, neither. I <laughs> I'm aware of it. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm, but it's definitely mm-hmm. not something I'm like. I'm a hyper, I, I can't go into the nitty gritty of it, you yeah.
0: know? Yeah. So since I'm interested in what you're saying about like keeping the bar high and like standards high, I was talking with sure. my friend Nick Tash about this a couple episodes ago. Um, He does theater. We did theater oh, nice. in the past <laughs> together. Yeah. And so like we were talking, I think mostly off air about like trying to keep, the bar high for the sake of, like, the community. Yeah, Um, yeah. And so with something I've been hearing is, like, young people now after the pandemic are having, like, oh, I don't know how to, like, totally say this, but, like, their social skills are not where they were, like, from going through the lockdown and, like, going to, like, online-type schooling. Mm -hmm. Like, I talked to a girl who like just graduated college and like was in college during the lockdown time. And like, she was just talking about how fe- how much people slacked off during yes. that, like how yeah. little <laughs> students, oh, totally. like how little accountability, yeah. and like how f- much of the bar fell. Yes. And so I'm wondering if yeah. like you're experiencing that as well. And then also like the flip side, because I've also seen like, there are young people who are still like doing yes. really good. Yeah stuff out here. Yeah. um. So like, I'm wondering like, what's been your experience of that being like on the front lines, no, like teaching sure. music to people.
1: Yeah. It's definitely been all of those things. You know, I had mm. a student, this is not my words. This is a student say to okay. me at one point, And she said, you know what? I feel like half the people here are functioning at the right level. And half the people are functioning at the level of 12 year olds, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, I thought that was a very, striking Mm. comment you know but what i see because i my job is to teach you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. my job is to educate people and get them ready for a professional world like you know and it doesn't matter what side of that spectrum you're on my Mm -hmm. job is to teach you Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and it's and part of i think mentoring is getting people prepared Mm -hmm. for for, to live in the world you know whether they end up doing music or it doesn't matter what they end Mm -hmm. up doing you know Mm -hmm. they're going to be in some kind of in the world in some kind of professional capacity no matter what you know Mm -hmm. and as I've tried to understand what's going on, my opinion is that we are looking at perhaps one of the most profoundly insecure generations mm. that's ever existed. Mm. And that's not their fault, like the mm-hmm. younger, you know, my my younger students. Because if you, again, going back to this thing of collective, uh, you know, responsibility or collective bar, uh, you know, you hear conservatives say, oh, these people are watching Disney channel, it's going to ruin them, you know, or whatever, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's some conservative mm-hmm. lines about things that would have been relevant 30 years ago that aren't relative now. And my comment mm-hmm. is like, have you ever been in a chat room in Roblox?
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I'm but much closer to, to that yeah. demographic than a good amount of people. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and if you, you know, think about, we don't, You know, I'm saying this as a parent now, you know, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I I mean this truly. We don't know the world our kids are growing up in because we didn't we didn't grow up in that world. Now, like somebody younger than me. I mean, I'm on the Internet all the time and and I kind of look how the Internet's changed me and just the, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think about this a lot as I'm taking in content and even, you know, my concentration has been affected. Like Mm. I used to have a much higher threshold for just focus and and I still do when I need to turn it on but like I've been thinking about this just of looking at my own personal brain function and then thinking mm-hmm, about people mm-hmm. who never had an opportunity to not be unplugged yeah and yeah. it's taught me a lot and I think you know it's it's really easy to be insecure right now i mean if you you know like i i used to you know like I have a running joke in my head that I'm not sexy enough to be on Instagram, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cool enough, you know, I just don't look good yeah, enough, you know. Yeah. Uh, and
0: uh, I'm terrible at taking selfies. Yeah, like, totally. I, maybe I just didn't practice. Yeah. But yeah like yeah. I the couple times I've tried, I'm just like, this is no one wants to see
1: no, this. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So I might have something meaningful to offer, but I'm not a yeah. sexy motherfucker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know imagine being imagine being 16 you know yeah, like i mean I, yeah. I had a student tell me at one point and he's like well i don't you know i just like kind of lost faith in practicing because i'll never be what these instagram drummers are oh, and i man. was like dude no 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 you oh. like you have to yeah yeah exactly oh that sucks and i've heard other people say this and i've had conversations with my kids about these things too because i'm trying to understand yeah, like i don't want to yeah. you know like my way isn't just to like be mad at it like yeah that doesn't yeah. help anything uh-uh, uh-uh. like you have to understand what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, again, just going back to that, like COVID kind of pushed us all down that hole. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whether you were mm-hmm. a kid or an adult, I mean, man, you know, like, like just, I mean, you know, if you, uh, I don't ever like to talk about things, but just watching some different people I know get real into the Q QAnon thing mm-hmm. and just being like, wow, man, you mm-hmm. just fell down a hole, yeah. you know? Yeah, And. Yeah. And then, you know, that's like an adult thing. I mean, most probably 17-year-olds aren't going to, you know, or whatever, 15-year-olds, 16, you know. But they had their own little world that they're going into, Mm -hmm. and you get isolated Mm -hmm. in there. And how many kids were just online 18 hours a day, Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. you know?
1: I mean, man, I was doing during the lockdown um, because I realized that none of my students were checking their email or anything. (laughs) So I set it up where I took all of my all of my students in all of my classes, mm-hmm. and I set up one-hour meetings with them. Mm-hmm. So I was doing, like, probably 30 hours a week in Zoom calls mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. my students mm-hmm. just to make sure they are doing something, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. just checking in in that nice. way. Nice. But I felt horribly sick from that. I've never felt wow. that physically exhausted and sick in my mm-hmm. life. from. And then I just started thinking about people who are on that all day mm-hmm. or playing mm-hmm. video games all day mm-hmm. or, you know, just... There's an array of there's an array of factors, I think, that are, you know, going into the subconscious of minds of -hmm. of everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, but then you have people who are younger and perhaps more impressionable. am I don't necessarily think just because you're young, you're impressionable. There's plenty of people who fall off the deep Mm -hmm. end who are in their 60s, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. we assume it's young and impressionable. But, you know. Yeah, um,
0: the mind is a very plastic thing. It's a very it yeah, very malleable. Yeah. A lot later than I think a lot of people give us credit for. Yeah, give themselves credit for. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah.
1: and just the the human tendency towards self righteousness, you know, and to want to be right, and then that mm-hmm. comes back to that collective thing of like you know. Like you get people who decide they're right and then they dig their feet in and then they yell loud enough. And Mm -hmm. again, like going back to, you know, social media and stuff, it's like the people who yell the loudest are them. They must be right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like that's part of the experience of that platform is it's like if somebody's you know, if I'm if I'm sitting on there and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, this is a very logical conversation. Like people are I get three seconds of airtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I'm like, Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Come and watch my show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. then everybody's laughing like, Oh my God, this guy's fucking dumb. You know, yeah. Like, and then they watch it. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, you know? people have asked me about like, Oh, are, are people listening to the show? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> oh I honestly gosh. don't even totally. keep track of that. Like, yeah. cause, and I think it's a, push back against what you're commenting on like yeah. I, I've i noticed my like when I see ads come up like on YouTube like I saw one for jaw fillers it was like oh. to fill in your jawline to, like, make, to make your you face look... look more masculine oh, it's wow. like you know it, it was the guy was saying you know I, I my features were always a little soft and now they're much more defined and I feel so much better walking into oh, a room wow. and I was like fuck you I'm hot as I am. I'm not giving you <laughs> money for jaw fillers. And like, I've noticed this, Im- like, anger and like just pissed offness arising seeing like the advertisement and like the coercion of people's minds just to oh, like no, totally. get mon- get attention and then get yeah. money to get ad revenue. Yeah. And so like with this project, I I have. No official sponsors. I mean, Tom from Indiana Tea gave me a can of tea for free one time, so he's technically a sponsor. (laughs) Um, But, like, (sighs) I'm not gunning for sponsors. I'm not, like, going on TikTok. Like, I know some people are listening because they come up to me in person and say, hey, that was a good episode. I really enjoyed that. And, like, that's the stuff that I, like, want to really, like, foster and, like, put out, or at least for myself. That's what I'm hungry for. And so, like, I'm hoping that other people are feeling that too and like want to move away from how the internet has turned into a giant billboard sometimes oh it man feels it is like a giant billboard it, it sucks it's yeah it sucks
1: and, and the assumption of what you want to see is what drives me crazy mm-hmm. this is what you're saying as well yeah you know yeah. because like it's Even my mom, I mean, is just like, oh, my gosh, I had some I've been getting these weird ads because somebody was talking about something around your phone. Mm -hmm, It's like mm -hmm. literally, you know, and like not to sound paranoid, but I'm sure I think everybody's experienced this at some point where you're having a conversation about something. And then all of a sudden you start getting ads about the conversation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and if 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 whoever the grand advertisers are listening right now all I want to see are ads on reverb. I just want to see really awesome guitars. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to look at. I, d- I yeah. don't care about any of the rest of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> you know, like, it. you know what I mean? It's just, uh-huh. I don't know. Or, or like the, like, because I don't have much information on my profiles, then mm-hmm. it's like, well, you're 40 yeah. year old single male. So this is what we think you want. It's uh-huh. like, well, no, I don't really want to look at this content. You yeah. know, like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. It's, you know it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's and it's the thing it's like like do you like it just because you're inundated with it or do you actually like a thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and even with myself lately like I was watching a lot of comedians here recently cuz I kept getting comedians in my mm-hmm. reels like or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And then recently I've been like watching my speech and I'm like, "Oh man, like cuz you just like again, the subconscious thing, the more you take it in, you start to normalize how you talk and how you express and, I mean, if you watch enough comedians, it's probably not appropriate expression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it is it is what it is, but it's witty, and it's funny, and it's all mm-hmm, those things, mm-hmm. you know, but it just kind of creeps in there in a way where I'm, like, now I'm starting to look at it, and I'm just like, no, nah, I don't really want to be that, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it was entertaining for a while, but it's starting to, like, penetrate mm-hmm. enough that I'm like, ah, like, yeah. I need to pull back from that.
0: And I wonder, like, like, you had time before the internet and before the blast so like you were saying before the younger generation that have never have only had Mm -hmm. devices in their hands like don't even have that i that experience of like what it is to sit on the swing set and learn the lyrics to the entire appetite for (laughs) Destruction album because you want to
1: right right it's
0: like like i I i that that's such a cool thing like to have that memory and like that connection to something that meant so much to you like that's that's real human shit and i wonder like i hope that's not falling away and i hope that young people are like still having those like personal internally like feeding experiences i don't know if that stuff's happening online i
1: I think it is i think people are still i mean that's that's a very human thing to have Mm that doesn't matter the medium in some respects Mm. you know i see people who are younger who are so amazing Mm -hmm. because of the resources that they've had available to Mm. them like i think Mm. as a jazz musician like i had to transcribe tons of stuff, which I don't, I, I have no regret regret for that at all. Mm-hmm. But now you can go on the internet, like I, I do it sometimes. You can just look up transcriptions, you can look up whatever you want. Watching people play, you know, is very useful. Mm-hmm. Having something like YouTube, like I never had those resources, and I can only imagine somebody who can. Any, any platform. I'm mean, just using jazz because that's what I like. But like last night, I watched a video of um, <clears throat> the Miles Davis Quintet from like 1964 oh, nice. when Herbie Han- Hancock looked like a little kid, you know, nice. like, I mean, it was crazy. I'd never seen that video, you know. And then so for somebody who has access to all that growing up, that's, that's mm-hmm, a different kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I know just as many young people who are way into something as anyone has ever been. You know and are and are really really taking that in my biggest thing is it's not the whether people are still taking things in well i think more it's the more mental health aspect of mm-hmm. judgment mm-hmm. we've always had self-judgment but this is i think this is something unique mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like with like just looking at instagram all the time or you know whatever platform mm-hmm. TikTok, instagram like any of the social those types of social media that's to me the real changing point you know is just the self-reflection and the amount of people who cut themselves short, I believe, mm-hmm. because they just never believe they'll be that thing. You know, mm-hmm. I think it actually mm-hmm. perhaps for some people makes them dream less, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and that, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the dream mm-hmm. is the motivation to become mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. you know, but if your motivations cut short because you see 10,000 people who are all doing it, the reality is, is there always were 10,000 people doing it. You just couldn't yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and so you thought there was that that, that bit of ego where you imagined you could be something more than what you were. And that impetus also often gives you the ability to get there, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. But if you're in a position where you see everyone's already done it and it's already being done and they're 10 times better than you, you know, like whether you could ever be that good or not, like is not the question you're even asking yourself, Mm -hmm, you know? Like mm -hmm. everyone is asking, it's like, just an assumption I can't be that you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if that makes sense I hope I'm yeah yeah
0: that. yeah and <clears throat> it's like uh, the the image being presented is like it's only a snapshot that's
1: totally right a snapshot. I mean, like,
0: clearly yeah yeah um, but like that person had to spend so much time to yeah. get to the point of making that fifteen, thirty totally sixty second yep. clip. Yeah. And we don't get to see that.
1: No, you didn't see the eight hours it took them to get the right take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just see the yeah. end product. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and, and that's and for somebody who's young and, and maybe doesn't know that, you know. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or somebody who's old and doesn't just somebody who doesn't know that the you know, the mm-hmm. the kind of back end of of doing any kind of media, you know, like mm-hmm. in, in the modern world, in, in, a, in a public forum, like well done, you know, social mm-hmm. media or well mm-hmm. done music even. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, mm-hmm. you know, what the power people have to manipulate inside of a DAW, like Pro Tools or Logic or something mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, people are always like, oh, this music isn't real. Like there's, you know, you have the old kind of, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I don't believe that it's, you know, hip hop producers work really hard. Mm -hmm. you know oh yeah like it's it's not like if you think it's so easy to make music in a doll then please go make something (laughs) yeah you know like you'll find out really quickly writing a trap beat isn't as easy as you thought Uh -uh, uh -uh. you know and coming up with something cool and coming up with a cool backing you know yeah yeah. um yeah yeah
0: Mm -hmm. so and that goes into the point of like variety yes like there's So many like we have all the tools at our disposal. I've heard Mm -hmm. like Dave Chang talk about this, he's a chef I really like, and like uh, Mr. Bill, he's like a DJ music producer I really like. They've like Mr. Bill puts out all his like tips for free as soon as he like figures out a new trick in Ableton, he's like making a video and putting it up on his Instagram, yeah, because like we have all the access, like, there's no person who's gone to some secluded area in italy and learned some secret technique they've all been learned they're all on youtube already so the thing that's (laughs) going to set people apart is like manual dexterity just like how how good are you at actually doing the thing or like Mm -hmm. playing a song can you hit the notes and then like can you do it in your own way I think that's going to become more and more valuable. For sure.
1: Yeah. And and I think that is because it's like, actually, I mean, it's not even becoming. It is like you think like, what's the statistic? How many songs are uploaded on Spotify every day? Like 60,000 or something like that. (laughs) And that's something I talk with my students a lot. It's like you're going to have to think outside of the box because how do you differentiate yourself from this mountain (laughs) of... Everybody moving in the same, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people moving mm-hmm. in the same direction. You know, it's how do you do that? Like, how yeah. do you find a way to, you know, in a sea of so much talent and so much variety, you know, like it's it's almost unfortunate, you know, mm. it's not unfortunate, but it's 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 interesting. And I, I think that's the trick is like, how do you find a way to differentiate yourself in that? Mm-hmm. That mountain, <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, that mountain of creativity, and yeah. again, that mountain of creativity has always been there, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. more available. Like, the tools to get it out there are more available, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. I think about this with like one thing that I'll say this because it's important to me, and I have some judgments about it, you know, like the modern spiritual world to me. I like I have some issues with it because it's like. You know, I feel like somebody can go drink some ayahuasca, then all of a sudden they're a teacher and give me five thousand dollars, you know, (laughs) and I'm not saying you didn't experience something on ayahuasca. But like there's a big difference between that and like a Tibetan lineage holder, Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. not even the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like you look at somebody who was a part of a family that's held a lineage for centuries and was trained in a specific way. You know and had years of training mm-hmm. in you know in whatever you know kind of meditation practice or something like that that is a different experience than i drank some ayahuasca yeah. i look good on instagram give me your money mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. as
1: actually and even as a cultural experience it's something different mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. my mind it is to yeah, me it is yeah. you know it's Um, if you look at traditional cultures and the way that you know Kind of spirituality didn't function as a separate entity over here. It was integrated into the whole, you know? Mm-hmm. And the way people did things as communities, the way people celebrated life, celebrated death, the understanding mm-hmm. of all those things, like, you know, uh, it's just. You know, I think some of that gets lost in translation. I'm Mm, mm -hmm, kind of like in in the in the Internet world. Yeah. Uh, You know, I have this. I'll just give you an example. So, like, I studied um, Kundalini and Kriya Yoga. Oh, cool. I was a part of Mm -hmm. a collective for about 12 years. And Mm -hmm. my teacher, the guy that I studied with, lived in Yogi Bhajan's ashram for 10 years. Cool. Like, so, like that means that he was doing meditation practice probably eight hours a day for 10 years. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Just as a student, you know, somebody growing, you know, and then Mm -hmm. like, then the years after that, and as somebody who like legitimately did 40 day fasts in the Himalayas and, and these kinds of things, that's, that's something else, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. and my point was saying this is that the power of the internet is that you can publish whatever you want, whenever you want, and you can make it immediately available. Mm -hmm. But the, one of the downsides of the Mm -hmm. internet is that you can publish with whatever you want you know like this is why i think the process of of getting a book published Mm. Mm pre-internet like there was a lot of vetting that happened you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. like you had to actually really and and i think in general you know in in the last you know say let's say from 1875 to 2000 the year 2000 like, the, what it took to get a book published, you had to really mm-hmm. know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and not to say that it, no garbage books got published, but there was definitely <laughs> yeah. a lot more vetting that went on of material and, you know, academic review and community review, mm-hmm. you know, went on um, that that you kind of had, like, you know, the, the cream of the crop supposedly being directed towards people, and those mm-hmm. high-level mm-hmm. sources mm-hmm. were available. You know, my first book on mysticism was written by one of the, you know, on Jewish mysticism was written by one of the most mm. profound rabbis of the 20th century. Mm. You know, like his name was Arya Kaplan, who was a physicist first. Oh, and he God. was like on the list of who's who of physicists. And then he became <laughs> a rabbi. And then all of his, you know, intellectual process of study and all of that, then he started writing these commentaries on like this, you know, mm. like specifically like the Sefer Yitzhak, like, that is a whole different thing than somebody who just went down to south america drank some ayahuasca and came back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know that's it's just yeah. not even the same thing. yeah. you know yeah, and yeah. and again like uh, not to say that this person who did this doesn't have knowledge and this person who does but like the understanding the level the depth the the time into it are just not the same picture. Mm-hmm. and so my point with that is and and i think we people have talked about this is that Oftentimes, people who are true experts in the modern world, their voices get silenced mm-hmm. in the face of people who are really good at marketing and really good at yelling at you, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm. just looking really convincing when they say something.
2: Yeah. But yeah. is there
1: a deep truth in what they're saying? Maybe. There is a... Mm-hmm. That's not to say there's no truth in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's it's relative to performance, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know?
1: And then so then if you have the content, especially with something, for me, you know, sacred in, in some respects. Like, it, it starts to make you question, like, what does sacred even mean at this point? Like, what mm-hmm. is this experience about? Because the way that's been, I hate to say hijacked, but like, you know, pointed in this other direction that's more like kind of um, self-help oriented rather than mm-hmm. than meditative. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, and and I'm just using this in one field. Like, think of how many other fields this happens weird. Briefly, I hate to bring up his name, but, like, we were briefly talking about the Trump thing before. Mm-hmm. Like, look at how the amplification of media mm-hmm. helped that situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Like, that whole thing was about the amplification and manipulation of media. Mm-hmm. It still is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, right? Am I wrong in saying that?
0: I don't think so, yeah. Because, I think, like, the way, you know, and,
1: and the polarization and the way media gets used, it benefits him no matter what you do it benefits him if you're angry at him mm-hmm. it benefits him if you support him
0: well it's like all pre- all press is good press right? all press <laughs> is good press
1: yeah yeah and and that's and that's definitely became true i mean we have artists who do that right i mean it's i i don't mm-hmm, know much mm-hmm. about kanye but doesn't kanye kind of <laughs> like do that thing yeah
0: or like banksy yeah oh, oh, Bansky. Yeah, yeah 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 like the graffiti artist yeah graffiti artist yeah
1: yeah i wouldn't i don't know i i've never thought of... I'd, why would you classify banksy in that
0: well i i think just like the I think what he was doing, cool. I, I approve it. It was very good, but it was going outside of like the normal bounds mm. of what <coughs> you going. Like art was consumed in. Like he was he was crossing over a boundary, and that's what got him the attention. Like huh. with Trump, he's crossing over a boundary, boundary that was thought to be like political, established, like the established political. Like nomenclature like this is how a politician behaves yeah. he went beyond that boundary and that's what got him the attention so I think like <coughs> that that boundary breaking and the boundaries are like totally like created by our mind they don't exist right, in the right, first place right. but like going like breaking one of those cultural boundaries creates like gains attention
1: yeah well and I would say I mean the boundaries were created and that's it comes back to that setting a bar thing. You know, where earlier cultures, I was just having a conversation and I, I don't know that this is true, but I was thinking about it where the idea of intellectualism and like the way academic research and process done in the 50s became very uh, dry and very, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> very static. And something that I was thinking about is that I believe, and this is just my opinion, that that was a kind of a counter-reaction to the Nazis and mm. to World War Two, Because the Nazis, like, I don't want to say that they're the first people to do this, but they had access to media and they could m- manipulate the emotional quality in people, not the logical mm. faculties, but they, like, that was a part of that. It was yeah. the manipulation of the illogical faculties of humans, of mm-hmm. the reactionary. And so once that was done, you, I mean, this is, you know, you have this horrible thing that happens. And, People realize, whoa, media can be used to manipulate people in a Mm -hmm. profoundly deep way. The choice was made then to start making things more, uh, as we'd say now, academic, a bit more sterile, but it's like Mm -hmm. these are the facts. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. news was even brought in that direction, right? There was, I forget what it was, there was like a libel case in like 1912 or like somewhere in the Mm 19-teens, I believe, in the United States, that the media there was a realization in the american government that the media could be used to manipulate politics on a very Mm. deep level and they were um afraid of that so there was a law in place and i i wish i could remember what it was but i believe it was revoked around 1987 Mm. um, Mm -hmm. that made it where anything that was in the public news had to be yeah
0: i've heard of this i've heard of this yeah 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 yeah
1: (laughs) and i don't remember the name of the act i just know that it was a thing and then after that you get because I remember when I was young, I remember when Rush Limbaugh first came out mm. and he seemed like a lunatic, you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. seriously, like, I couldn't, you know, the idea to me as, as a 14 year old, hearing that guy talk and just thinking, how could ever, anyone ever believe this? And like, why would anyone listen to this garbage? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and then 10 years later, like. Mm -hmm. you know what did that monster become and that monster was allowed to exist because these laws were revoked Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you you know what I mean so so these laws kind of went out and they're like no and then now news is allowed to be entertainment Mm -hmm. and entertainment isn't about logic entertainment is about your Mm -hmm, feeling mm -hmm. about something your emotion it's like about that you know and so then you have that and then you get you know like the setup for that is the Sarah Palin's you know the Sarah Palin thing like in 2008 and the Tea Party comes out of that, and then I don't want to say the uh, ideally the end result of that, but probably not, is the Trump thing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like that whole way of of dealing with politics comes to a head, where now your leadership is more, you know, <clears throat> I don't even know what you'd call that,
0: you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's like farcical. call. It's
1: yeah, it's it, it's it's yeah, and and so the the <laughs> bar was dropped so far of what's allowed, and then you have people who believe themselves to be pious, holding up this man who's anything but that, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Cause if there's, you know, like I, I, that's, that's one of the great mysteries of, of my reality is mm-hmm. how anyone could look at that person. And yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, if, I, the, I, if he was a Democrat, like turn Trump into a Democrat, <laughs> you know, like, and with all the way he talks, the way he does, what would people say to that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I you know, don't know what I
1: mean? Like, if he's not on the Republican team. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. like... Sorry, and yeah. we're getting into the <laughs> politics thing. Maybe we But need it's, to... it's
0: like... I, I think that in that, there's a side of what you were talking about with, like, the bar and the standard. Yeah. And how, like, people... Like, <laughs> I have... There are people I love who support... Who voted for Donald Trump. And, and I... Like me too. So, I get it. Yeah. It baffles me... And it from and confuses me. Like, I, like I, I hope I'm being compassionate with my confusion because, like, throwing mm. hate is only gonna spurn yes. the thing further. Yeah. But, like, how has the like standard in what is seen as like a leader, a person to look up to, like the the spotlight that picture has become a farce mm-hmm. yeah. like, mm-hmm. and I don't th- like in the people I'm thinking of, they're not dumb. No, exactly. Like these exactly. people, like they have brains, yeah. they have logic and reason yeah. and I have seen them use it. Yeah. Totally. But like, they've yeah. been duped. Yeah. Like, they have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in our duped. opinion. And that's the thing. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah that our that opinion, is our opinion. Yeah. Been
1: duped, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, this is something I had a conversation with somebody about this where, two people I love dearly, you know, had a very big argument over this. Mm. And my stance mostly is I stay out of the political thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I I don't want to go into all that. But like, I'm definitely like, more left and liberal leaning. That's my stance. But like, I kind of lost faith in the Democratic Party at a certain point. I don't don't want to talk about all that right now. But the thing is, is that You know, ideologies, I believe in human contact, and when you bring ideologies into the world, that's where the separation happens, right? Mm. Because it's the, it's not, if you have a family member that you love, and then all of a sudden you hate your family member on the basis of an ideology, Mm. how powerful is that ideology? Like, they didn't Mm -hmm. do anything but think differently than you, you know? And then with that idea of these kind of larger arcs, how do these ideologies... Like, if you can harness an ideology, you can harness a collective of people, and you can control and have power over a collective Mm -hmm. of people through harnessing the ideology. That's essentially what... The Grateful Dead is an ideology. The Republican Party is an ideology. Star Wars is an ideology. Uh Like a Harry Potter. You you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that gets into the Joseph Campbell thing of like these myths, like these Mm -hmm. mythical realities Mm -hmm. in our lives. But really those ideologies, you know, we, you know, like I, I would like, and this is going to, I hope this doesn't (laughs) sound bad on, on, you know, radio. But like, I don't think any of us would walk across the street and kill our neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I have no impulse in me. Even if my neighbor was kind of an asshole, I'm not going to walk over there and kill them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if somebody puts the right ideology in a set of people's minds, you mm-hmm. walk across the street and kill your neighbor. Isn't that... Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Yeah, yeah. And the people who have access to that level of power, what does it take to be that mm-hmm. person who would be willing to manipulate that? You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, in any war, in any circumstance, like, people... I would say 99% of people do not wish to go kill anyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, you know, and people might annoy them, but like to the level of like, you know, there's there's a there's a big line between punching somebody in the face, you know, or being angry to punching somebody to killing someone. Mm-hmm. Like those are huge lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I really truly think, you know, like even watching somebody die unnaturally is, is hard on the human psyche, mm-hmm. you know? Like, not even, like, uh, like you know, think of how many, if you've ever known anyone who's been a car wreck and had something happen, or they had a friend die, and mm-hmm. so, like, mm-hmm. those things are hard on the human mm-hmm. psyche, you know? But, and yet, and yet, these ideologies can hijack us in, in various ways, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a very extreme example of, of war, but, like, even, you know, these kinds of ideologies. And so this is, I guess, to wrap it up, it's like this is why, to me, it's important where the bar's set. Mm-hmm. Because we mm-hmm. live as individuals in a collective world of ideologies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how we kind of interact with those ideologies really affects our lives in different ways, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Like we can get irrationally angry at something because of ideology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can irrationally despise sets of people or love people or, or whatever any range of things based on mm-hmm. how we interact with something that's mm-hmm. very ethereal really yeah you know yeah <clears throat>
0: and it's so
1: very abstract maybe is yeah, the is the better yeah. word than ethereal abstract yeah
0: yeah and I, so i've been studying buddhism recently and like in that, lo- that ideology yes and it's right. The the thought is that it's attachment that causes suffering. Mm-hmm. It's like if we're talking about ideology leading to killing your neighbor, I could see how having an attachment to an ideology yes. that my neighbor mm-hmm. is dangerous and t- to maintain the safety of me and my family i need to go kill my neighbor yeah that's war right that's the ideology that that has like spurned american war it's like we need to maintain our safety yeah and so we're gonna go and kill the enemy yeah um and the
1: perceived enemy
0: and so yeah yeah and it's that it's not that that person is an enemy Like they probably have a beautiful culture with good food good music yeah that we could all enjoy together yeah. but i have this attachment to this ideology that blinds me to perceiving that this person that i have an enemy image of is probably 99 percent the same as me yeah
1: and, and, and maybe and, not
0: maybe yeah. it, maybe we're 50 percent the same
1: and that's that's, are, that's great <laughs> yeah totally like are you so different that you need to maim each other yeah I mean, that's like
0: i've the, never met anyone who i'm so different from that i needed to no. go fuck them up physically. <laughs> <laughs> like, ever yeah ever. never met him you know, there's some, there
1: some assholes in the world but i yeah. like you know you just walk away you yeah. know like
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: there's no need like i've never felt need to harm someone mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and that's that's some powerful stuff mm-hmm. and it's dangerous frankly Mm -hmm. you know and and that that we allow ourselves collectively as humans to be Mm -hmm. manipulated by that over Mm -hmm. and over again Mm -hmm. you know yeah and just imagine being you know to me and maybe i'm naive in some form but the person in the position to push that
0: like, that's mm-hmm. twisted. Man. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's the closest thing to true evil. Yeah. Is a person knowingly yeah. manipulating <clears> the <throat> minds of others to spurn on yeah, to destruction spurn harm. and suffering. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, to spurn suffering. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or just to, like, build oneself up. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been watching a lot of uh, Channel 5 News with Andrew Callahan. He's, like, kind of a renegade journalist. Okay. That, like, goes on the ground and just talks to people. And he's done a lot of coverage on... Um, like drug abuse, like drug users, Mm -hmm. and like the epidemic of fentanyl um, in San Francisco, like Trank in the Kensington area in Philadelphia. yeah, And like the mental health side of it is such a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And like so many of those people pretty much, I mean, he said from what he's seen, everybody who's in that situation of being like homeless, addicted to drugs on the street, there's a serious mental health aspect to it that absolutely has caused them to be pushed out of society and society is like continuing to push them out and so that's like this ideology it seems that these people are wrong or dirty or undeserving Mm -hmm. of love compassion assistance for their basic needs and like at least in in my interpretation of that it's a sign of what our like ideology and our standards are for our own society like our culture yeah. is willing to send money to spurn wars right. while people are literally dying in the streets in the gutters <laughs> from yeah. drug overdoses yep. and like yeah, flesh eating viruses oh, no, it's totally. awful yeah yeah um, awful. and so it's yeah. like <laughs> I don't anticipate that we're going to figure it out, but oh, like no, maybe sure. <laughs> at least like I've s- like through viewing that through viewing the work that he's done, talking to these people and just being open with them and seeing them as people, as like that family member who went down the QAnon yeah,
1: yeah. drain,
0: like yeah. they're still a person that has like a heart and a soul. absolutely And I think I hope that like we hit that tipping point where there's mm-hmm. enough people that want to assist and like raise our bar as a whole so that we can like expand ourselves and our like ability to mm-hmm. connect with people. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that happened during the pandemic oh, was yeah. like the separation and the people like that people felt so disconnected. From each other um, and from themselves no, too. Totally. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. One one gal said, like, she relapsed during the pandemic because mm-hmm. she couldn't go out and, like, keep herself busy. Oh, for sure. And Absolutely. Of, I used and, to think about that a lot. Like, it's rough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, I think music helps with that. Yeah. Food and music <laughs> are the two things that, like, I find in my yeah. life that uh, are, are able to make change on an individual level. And, like, connect with people. Like, uh, I think that's what what I'm needing out here. Maybe some other people are needing Mm -hmm. is just, like, connecting in community and, like, sharing space and seeing we're not all that different. Like, we can come together and hang out and listen to some music. Like, eat some tacos together (laughs) and, like, have disagreements and argue with each other and still hug when the table's clear and like go home and do it again next week. Yeah, like, yeah for sure. Like that's the stuff that I think is really valuable. Yeah. And yeah, I hope that the, the young people connect with that. And I think they're very fortunate to have you putting those seeds in, in their mind um, as you talk to them. You've given some of those seeds to my brain uh, over oh, the last cool. couple of years. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool what you're saying. Yeah. I think you've got a good rap. <laughs> cool, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping Dr. Dre yeah, right, out right, here. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> 44
1: reasons come to mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, Phil, wh- where can people find you? What are you up to um, these days?
1: Yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> my self-promotion here we go yeah
0: go for um, it um
1: so i have a website it's Um i need to update it at some point but like i put out a couple jazz records in 27 mm. 2018 you can find those there and i have a band camp cool. site um i have social media it's just under my name and so i have an instagram and uh facebook which is just a dead platform mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm kind of unfortunately useless <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's not completely because i use messenger a lot but anyway mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then just i don't know like here i've been playing every tuesday at wrigley field doing um like an acoustic version of phil plays dead oh cool every thursday i'm at the ruin uh doing the jazz jam mm-hmm. session which mm-hmm. has been really really great um trying to do some community building with that. That's for sure. Yeah. And, um, then I just play out around the city. Um, I have a couple of my own groups. Well, I've been playing with the Colin Boyd trio. That's been a lot of fun. Cool. I'm playing actually tonight. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, We play out the Clyde typically about once a month. It seems like, Cool. and, um, or not, but the club room. Mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. yeah, And then, um, yeah. And then I'm just around, um, doing, doing shows whenever I get those booked. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Try and catch it, people. That I made it to the jazz night a couple of weeks ago, and it was re- it was awesome. Yeah, that was ripping. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it was on fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the the horn section. Yeah, was great. I did not know well, that there you. were going to be horns. Oh yeah, in there. Yeah, and I'm sure. like, oh yeah, I love a good <laughs> trumpet. Like yeah. that's that was the instrument I always like wanted to play when yeah. I was young. It was like like the, the 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 trumpet or like the saxophone. I always thought would have been really really cool. Yeah. Um, and never, that just never happened. Um, Yeah for whatever reason so yeah hearing some horns and having that blast right in my face was really really nice <laughs> awesome <laughs> <Very> enjoyable <laughs> yeah yeah. well links to all that I'll put down in the show notes okay. below I'm pointing to it as if uh, people can see it but, <laughs> <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but yeah so check that out check out Phil and all his stuff and uh, thanks for being on the show man thank you for the it's invite been really it's been really good been to have been you great to talk with you yeah, yeah I absolutely. hope we can do it again sometime Yeah, please in the future cool, it'd be great cool. to have you again yeah we'll pick up righteous right <laughs> (laughs) All right. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for being on the show. That was a great conversation uh, that we had. It was awesome to sit down with you and pick your brain, get a view into uh, your perspective and your views on music and life and all that jazz. (laughs) Jazz. Oh, geez. I'm full of it tonight. So anyway, uh, real quick, next E-Dance, February 4th, February 10th, Saturday evening, we'll be at the Greenhouse. Friday, March 22nd, Blossom Bash at the Garden. And uh, check out the links below. Massive Music YouTube channel is uh, lively and fun. So uh, keep in touch. It's uh, real good times rolling out here, doing the thing, pursuing the passions and all that, all that jazz. All that jazz. Anyway, uh, it's getting late so i'm going to leave you with a track from i'm going to check what which one did i pick um i'm going to play it's called the tower from phil's album echoes of the ancestors you can find it on um bandcamp there's a link to his bandcamp page below i've got a physical copy of each of his albums coming in the mail and i'm super excited to Uh, have that I'm one of those people that enjoys the tangible the tangible thing like I I don't have a functioning cd player in the moment but I bought the cds just I mean really to support the guy and to have a uh, something unique and special that you ain't gonna come across every day but today is your lucky day so enjoy the tower by phil sugar made it this far I just want to say thanks for giving me some of your time and attention I know it's the most valuable thing that you've got in your life so thanks for sharing that with me in this digital space even for just a little while take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you all again soon